0: Hello and welcome to the Sorry Meadows podcast, uh, which is all about bad pop culture opinions. I've been nominated today as the host, uh, Rhys, and here with me are uh, Mike, Sammy, and Mel. How are you all doing?
1: Good, good. thank you.
0: (laughs) So um, we begin with a reflection of the past year, a year where cinemas shut, we were forced to remain indoors, and New Mutants finally came out. To the global response of eh. the number of wide releases was limited due to the circumstances, with only the winter bringing any trips to the cinema, but with streaming services popular as ever, um, there were still plenty to watch, especially with the opening of Disney Plus in the U.K and video on-demand becoming an even more accessible and re- a reliable resource. And so I'm interested in seeing what you guys watch this year. Do you watch anything old? Anything new? Anything bad? Anything weird?
2: Mike, any new releases you saw this year? New release, I want to talk about his soul. Uh, Pixar's new film. Um, It's a film about a jazz musician who dies a tragic sudden death, and then he wakes up as his soul in the afterlife, and he has to team with another soul to try and get back to his body in time to get to something he had planned on Earth. And the reason I've chosen it is because... I spent the whole year, obviously a year with not many new releases, but I spent the whole year waiting for just that one film to blow me away. And there were other films that I thought were great, but Soul was the first one I thought really hit me in the way that I wanted it to. And I thought it was amazing. It just had everything that makes Pixar great. It was really funny. It was an existential nightmare. It was just really well made in general. And I thought it was just an excellent film. I think you guys all saw it as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, it's certainly up there with the best
2: of the Pixar films, I reckon. I think it goes alongside Inside Out and Coco really well as well. It's just some modern Pixar films that are just really heartwarming to watch, but also super emotional and yeah. really sad as well. I think that would be a tough trilogy a really to go
0: through.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did, watch, I did watch Coco and then Soul. And I don't know if it is because I watched Coco first, but I didn't cry when I watched Soul, which is weird for me. Um, might have just been all like cried out because of Coco (laughs) but yeah
3: (laughs) see I've seen Coco and Soul and I've yet to see Inside Out despite many people for many months and many years telling me that I should and neither of them made me cry uh, which is something I found this year especially I've started doing more at films Um, but I have to agree with Mike that Soul is pretty fantastic I think the visual aesthetics and their unique approach to like uh, their interpretation of the afterlife and like what comes next was really cool. I I found it quite surreal to watch though because I woke up on Christmas
0: morning and it was eight a.m. in the morning. You know, uh, and usually I'd run down and open presents and stuff, but now I was sat in bed with a Pixar, a brand new Pixar film on my laptop, and it was just like. This is so weird because I'd definitely be in a cinema lapping this up, but no, I'm sat at home with a mug of coffee, eating my breakfast, watching a brand, the brand new Pixar release, which was uh, a very weird end um, to the year. So for you watched
3: year. this on Christmas Day?
0: Yeah, I got up at like 8 oh, a.m.
3: Man.
0: I was I, I set my alarm. Um, I didn't go. I didn't say hello to my parents. I didn't see my family until half ten because now I'm watching Pixar. Go away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think. Um, if it was a lesser Pixar film, watching it as its first ever, like, release at home might have taken away from it slightly. But I don't think it affected this one because this one was good enough. And going back to, like, the visuals that Sammy said, I think Pixar had just sort of nailed it with their animation now. Because there's two very different types of animation. In this. There's the real world, where they get sort of settings and all of that that look super realistic and put these really unique looking characters in them. But they fit together really well. And then you've got the other side, which is a bit more out there when they're actually in the afterlife, and they do both. They're both really different, but they're both done really well as well. And I just think Pixar now have how they've got that good at animation is crazy, especially since you've got Illumination on the other side, who every film they make looks exactly the same and has for years. Yeah. It was
0: yeah. it was also quite weird because it was um it was very abrupt watching it. There was a lot of very quick cuts away to side uh, side plots like it was like watching family guy sometimes where they'd say a joke and they would do a cutaway um, which is something yeah, I've never always... really seen from pixar before no but they worked pretty well in it and it yeah they did no no it I don't was a don't very... to say it was a bad thing it was just something i hadn't seen in a pixar film before
2: yeah. it was a very fast movie as well like every 20 minutes and i wouldn't spoil anything that happens but it just felt like twisting and turning into a new movie just mm. so yeah. quickly
1: yeah
2: so for me the most
0: anticipated Film release of the year was uh, New Mutants. Uh, I mean, this—the first trailer of this film came out in October of 2017. Uh, it was meant to come out in April 2018, I think, and then it got moved back for Deadpool 2. It got moved back for Dark Phoenix. There was the Disney merger, and then with the COVID pandemic, there was a real worry that it, like Mulan, it would go straight on to Disney Plus with this big premium. But thankfully. Uh, Apparently, thanks to Christopher Nolan and Tenet, all cinemas reopened and the world was whole again. And so I managed to sneak in a watch of New Mutants. I was planned to go at midnight, but there was no midnight screening. And I was so disappointed with how unrubbish or ungood good it was. It was just the most average film I have ever seen. And I was going into it thinking, I hope this is the worst or best thing I ever see. And it was neither. I mean, it had some good stuff about it. Anna Taylor, Anya Taylor-Joy is pretty good in it. Uh, she, it yeah, she's sort of ruled 2020 with Emma and Queen's Gambit. And so I think this this film is quite the downgrade for her. Uh, it's got Arya Stark um, in it as well. Uh, Maisie Williams, who she's, she's all right. Uh, her Scottish accent is spot on. Um, but I'm just happy it finally came out. Um, and it's something like... I don't have to think about it anymore and I don't have to joke about it anymore. Um yeah, I I wouldn't recommend anybody really go and see it. It's all right. It's it's like trying to recommend people to go and see Green Lantern. Like Green Lantern isn't that bad. It's just not worth watching. It's just very forgettable. Um like this film. Uh, although yeah. I did I did like uh I did like all the characters though. I thought they worked well together. I don't think they're all fleshed out as you would expect i mean there was a there was a whole uh debate about whether there were reshoots and then there was the there was talk that josh boone got his film his initial film back so i was hoping that maybe he had something to be passionate about the characters but a lot of them were very run-of-the-mill didn't get much to do some of the horror sequences are cool the only one i really remember and stood out was the one that i remembered from the initial trailer with the there was a there's this scary bit with a washing machine or dryer that i remember but I, th- I think if you want to turn the lights out, uh, you- if it's on like 10 o'clock at night on ITV2 or whatever, fine. But don't go looking for this film. I don't think it's worth uh, digging in for. Yeah.
2: This is the only film I've seen in cinema this year since I watched Bad Boys for Life in March. <laughs> so the only yeah. film since then now, I switched to Rose New Mutants. And I'm with you that like, because it was so long before it came out, I wanted just this amazing film or something really rubbish that I could laugh at. and you're right that it is the most like average film like and this cast and those characters if they've been given a better script and just it was directed a bit better there could have been a really great film there which is why i wouldn't mind
3: seeing a sequel but it was just so nah you well like i the the thing is with all your sorry uh with all your because you guys have been talking about this film for uh, literally years and so i during the those like two months where things briefly reopened um i also snuck out to go watch it just so i could be part of this conversation (laughs) and so your three years of amping it up made me want to go and see it even though i came out and was just like so (laughs) underwhelmed and what
2: what surprised me most about the film considering the fact they had three years to make it after initially filming it was how bad the editing was oh yeah like, it, it might be one of the awful. worst editing movies I've ever seen like you mentioned the scene with the washing machine which was one of the better horror scenes I thought there were other scenes like the Swing yeah. pool or like the smiley people at the end that I thought were yeah, better yeah. as horror sequences but that scene with the hand in the washing machine just cuts between two scenes so weirdly during it that I couldn't believe that that was what they came up with after three years yeah yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. an odd experience. And the and
0: the worst thing about that three is is that that there was this talk that they were going to reshoot it, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty happy they didn't reshoot it because you know when you have young actors who are going from uh, teenagers to young adults, uh, you saw in it two. I thought the one the worst things, bits about it two was when they were in the bunker, and you could just see some of their voices were cracked, and they had to work around it, and I'm not sure. Uh, whether that was... F- I, I, you can tell that, that It too wasn't filmed at the same time as It. You, know? you can tell that the actors are a bit too old for the roles they were then, because their voices are going. But in this film, uh, they all seemed the age that they filmed, it, they filmed it. But the problem with that is again, is that you know, Josh Boone was so adamant to keep his own film, and yet it was so badly directed that you look at it and go, well, maybe you should have listened to whoever was talking to you.
3: I think I would have rather had it been delayed for a few more years and got something good, honestly. So uh, New Mutants not being the only superhero film to get a cinematic release uh, in 2020, uh, back in January, February, early years, uh, I think Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn was my last uh, cinema trip before national lockdown, And I was really pleasantly surprised by it. Uh, I went in sort of thinking it might be a slightly better version of Suicide Squad with different characters. Um, And it wasn't. It was really good. All the characters gelled really well together. There was enough sort of sparkling glitter on top to be like the Harley Quinn essence into it without it being the neon nightmare that Suicide Squad was um yeah i remember really liking the score and the soundtrack uh margot robbie is impeccable as harley quinn she's like the most fully realized uh version of that character in this film and she is excellent in the film um because that's what it really is it's really although they put harley quinn in brackets in the title it's really harley quinn and the birds of prey isn't it
2: which I think is what they renamed it to eventually towards the end of the cinema run, because that's what it was pretty much. But I'm I'm with you that I was really pleasantly surprised by it, because the DCU has this weird history of being so melodramatic and dark and trying to do all these themes and handling them so badly, and Birds of Prey was just sort of like it, relaxing back and just having a laugh for a few hours.
3: And Hugh it was McGregor really welcome at that point. Just, you can tell he's having an absolute blast <laughs> in every single scene. Yeah. He's just like, oh, look at me doing
2: the evil thing. Um, he's and really I think good... the scenes with him and Zaz are some of the best in the DC. I think they're really great together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I do you... think you're right about Margot Robbie as well. That must be one of the best like, comic book movie cast scenes ever. ever. Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn. And I hope we keep getting it. I hope they don't kill her off in the Suicide Squad. <laughs>
3: Who else would you um, top, top cast into quickly? Suicide. Robert uh, Downey top...
2: Jr., Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, basically, the main three of the MCU, Chris Hemsworth um, or Chris Evans. Hugh, Hugh, Jack, Hugh Jackman, Wolverine. Can, can I, can yeah, I, Hugh Jackman, Wolverine, definitely.
0: Can I say um, Dewey Finn from uh, School of Rock? Jack Black was perfect in that film. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Very, very comic book movie. <laughs> um, can, I, can I point out one thing that I found an issue in the film. Uh, As as much as I like to see Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I sort of think that Huntress didn't really gel together in the film as well as I think they thought they did it. Um, And and I think the only reason she gets included is when you look at the cast of the final battle, they need someone highly skilled, which they didn't really have... Mm they had a police I, officer you know they had a I, police officer they I had disagree. harley Quinn. i, I just disagree. thought that it just and 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 you know i i i just wish that the 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 plot line with huntress and uh saz i think that could have been its own film and it would be huntress really and, Zaz and it sort be. of just gets shoehorned in there um in my opinion that was my only criticism of the film really other than that i love the messing about with the time frames and the time scales I thought that was. there were some really fun shots. I think Kathy does an absolutely amazing job with getting the colours out, um, especially after such bleak films like uh, Suicide Squad and the, the, what Zack Snyder's produced in the past.
2: I also think it's got some of the best behind-the-scenes photos because um, most of the characters did their own stunts, but when they needed um, a stuntman for Margot Robbie, it was a man. So it's <laughs> these really weird behind-the-scenes photos of... A man in the uh, Harley Quinn outfit doing the stunts. <laughs>
3: uh, and I think Harley Which are, which Quinn, are very odd to see. <laughs> I think Harley Quinn's outfit in this, like the gold um, jumpsuit she has by the end, is also like her best outfit. Like with the roller yeah. skates and the baseball bat. it's She looks great in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool, that'll have to do it for Birds of Prey. But speaking of messing with time frames... Yeah,
0: released, um, <laughs> a really
2: that.
3: A film that hasn't <laughs> actually come out in the UK <laughs> it hasn't yet. come out
0: none of us have been seen, able to see two, yeah two of us haven't seen <laughs> it so I, I I my I, sources you know i i pray that um, you birds of you prey are, you are yeah i birds of prey <laughs> that you guys uh don't spoil anything cuz i'm very much yeah, looking no. forward to this film when yeah, yeah, yeah. it has its 2021 release date in the UK so uh melanie would you like to discuss palm absolutely, spring
1: absolutely yes um yeah, so this is a film I actually watched, unlike the two ones we just discussed. Um, <laughs> a film that hasn't come out yet in the UK, but anyways. Um, yeah, Palm Springs, directed by Max Barbakoff, and it's about Andy Samberg's character called Niles, and he's stuck in a time loop. I think that's not too much of a of a spoiler yet. And he meets Sarah Weiler, um, played by Kristen Milioti, and he... Yeah, He meets her, he takes her into the time loop, or she follows him into the time loop, and then, you know, mischief continues. (laughs) And it's a romantic comedy, I think we can call it that, and it's actually, it is really fun, and I really liked watching it. Um, I love Andy Samberg. It's just one of those films, it's like a bit shorter, it's like 90 minutes, Um, it's very fun, it's very easy to watch. Um, You just sit back, enjoy the ride, and I mean, of course, it feels maybe a little bit like Groundhog Day. I have never seen Groundhog Groundhog Day, but you know, I imagine it feels like Groundhog Day. Um, but yeah, they did a. I think they did a great job. You know, and what
3: sort of it's tone yeah. is it? Because the from the posters that I've seen, it looks sort of quite vibrant, but in a sort of sinister yes. way. But oh, you're yes. describe. You seem to be describing something that's a bit more sort of happy-go-lucky and cheerful so
1: for me like you know sort of the beginning and then like you know throughout the film you do have like many laughs and it is happy but of course like with any romantic comedy you do have bits that are a bit more sad as well and um because it's also you know a time loop thing and well yeah you will see when you watch the film, but, you know, there might be more get a sinister lot. bits as well <laughs> because they're, you know... <laughs> I, it got a lot sadder at parts
2: than I expected it to. Yeah.
1: Like, it yeah, gets yeah, yeah. really
2: sad at parts. I mean, it gets
1: very... I don't know if I can say existential, but, I mean, he is stuck in a time loop for, like, we don't know how long and he starts, like, thinking about his life and what he actually wants So this wants is to do.
3: another question without, obviously, spoiling anything for me or Reese, Um The resolution... And the the or the cause of the time loop, and the resolution of like, the film, did you find it satisfying? Because, uh, yeah, I'm a, yeah. A lot of the times um, in movies like this, I'm yeah, just not I, satisfied yeah. by it at all.
1: You definitely shouldn't think too much about like the whole. I don't know the technicalities behind it, but yeah. yeah.
3: Well,
2: they they if, explain it well enough for the film that it is. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, M- Mel.
0: You just described it as a sort of existential journey um, how would you compare it to the existential journey um, seen in Seoul is it a very similar do they is it about learning about humanity or is it more how to be a better person
1: um, it's not necessarily about like humanity because it's just like these two characters I mean everybody else it's just sort of always doing the same thing and they are actually the ones going through it. So they're more learning about themselves, I think. Um, And yeah, it's just, you know, you get, like you go through this whole thing with Andy's character, of him, I don't know, just realizing that this can't be it and that there may be a way out and that he might not want to be stuck in this forever and actually continue his life. Yeah, you know, uh, instead of being stuck in the same I, day forever.
0: I can confirm
2: that said. So I that just want to throw in a lot as like, well. Uh, that sounds a lot like Groundhog Day, I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, I just want to throw in as well how impressed I was by the two leads in it, because I mm. think they both do a really good job. Like, I think I'd only seen Christian Mulliotti as the mother at the end yeah. of i <laughs> Met Your Mother. And obviously <laughs> yes. she was great in the role, but was wasted for yeah. reasons I'm <laughs> <that was laughs> sure getting to uh, in, in the future. Um, so, uh, yeah, Andy Sandberg gonna... consistently proves himself as one of the best actors out there. And I think people underrate him because he started with like Saturday Night Live and Lonely Island. People think he's just a funny guy. But yeah. you get like this and Brooklyn Nine-Nine and he's so good that he yeah, consistently impresses me. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: How Definitely. similar does his character feel to uh, Jake in Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Because that's basically my entire experience of him. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Jake is great, so...
3: I'm not saying that Jake's not great, (laughs) 9-9, but um, how Um, similar does his character feel? Because this is sort of like going to be my question, because I only know him as this sort of comedian, basically, comedian slash actor. Um, Yeah. So if this is more of a dramatic performance. I actually
1: think, I mean, I might be completely wrong, because I actually haven't seen Brooklyn 9-9 in a while, but I feel like he might be a little bit mature in this film than like Jake Peralta is in Brooklyn Nine-Nine yeah um so he's not that much like he is still a goofball I mean it's he's Mm -hmm. always a goofball he's he's
2: a lot darker it's it's Jake Peralta after Jake Peralta has been through loads of not great stuff
1: (laughs) basically Yeah. Um I've been through many many time loops and some well, of them were okay.
3: Well, perhaps in <laughs> that, the future when me and Reese have watched it when it, if, if and when it has its yeah. UK release we'll uh, we'll dive back into it and have a bit more of a spoiler chat. Nice,
1: yeah.
0: Now we move on to TV shows we've watched this year. Um we've all had lots of hours sat at home uh to fill and you know I'm sure we've got into lots of seasons of uh, classics like Game of Thrones and Clone (laughs) Wars eventually. But there's also been a lot of new releases and maybe stuff you've never seen before. And so, Sammy, is there anything in particular that stood out to you this year?
3: Uh, Yeah. So whilst it was only the second season that dropped this year, uh, I watched all of it for the first time. And that was The Boys, Amazon Prime's masterpiece. Uh, It's... I think one of the reasons why I liked it so much is because we've just had ten years of Marvel films, which are all brilliant um for for their own separate reasons and for what they did in terms of world building and like having the internet connected universe uh, but the boys just comes along at the right time ten years after uh, ten, following ten years of the m c u and it just completely deconstructs it and goes in that land of P, you know pg safe content everything's fine the villains get their comeuppance but the boys is like yeah but if you had this in the real world you know it'd be marketed you know that'll be uh, basically reduced to corporate mascots um and it really dives into like celebrity culture as well and applies it all to the sh- superhero genre um and carl urban is just fantastic in that fit, in that show uh yeah <laughs> uh, i love how sort of gritty and violence it is and also like it's like yeah having laser eyes sounds really cool on superman but if you apply that to someone who doesn't share his moral code and is so self-serving then what would that actually be like and i think it does a really good job at going into it all
1: no. Um, so I just I laughed because I didn't know that was Carl Urban. I thought that was Dominic Cooper. I only I, I haven't seen the boys yet.
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Dominic Thomas. Cooper? Oh, it's, probably, no.
2: it's probably Carl Urban's best performance ever. <laughs> yeah. He,
3: I <laughs> it, unironically love his accent in that show. Yeah, oh, yeah I mean, it's exactly, so it, good. It perfectly <laughs> suits <laughs> the character and the tone of the show having this sort of gritty cockney guy basically sticking two fingers up to all the soups um Mm. despite being basically just an average guy um is just terrific
1: where is it set
3: it's hard to think it's hard to think of a better
2: two new tv characters in years than uh billy butcher and homelander yeah because they're both so amazing and i think the actors do a great job as them as well
3: uh,
1: it's Eric, set in Eric. New York City. Okay, okay. I just saw that Eric Kripke <laughs> I mean, created it. And um, <laughs> yeah. You know what else? Yeah, but we haven't created? had 15
2: seasons of this yet.
1: Yeah. So it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> is this um, another Supernatural? You <laughs> no. can't no, take this is another
0: Supernatural. No. <laughs> uh, no, I think. It's it's quite <laughs> different. I, no, no, I think if you've watched Supernatural and you move on to the boys, I think you will. There is a certain thematic. Um, yeah.
1: Consistency
0: yeah. in that in that. Even in this, death is a very, uh, it's a very, it's something concept. that yeah, loose concept that just gets <laughs> thrown around. Uh, it's a lot yeah. more permanent in this show, obviously. But it's something the, that it's just a
2: casualty of whatever you do. You know, um, what really stood out for me—they're both really dark and really silly. Both yeah, of those shows. Exactly. Mm. Um,
0: two things. Well, f- firstly, that this is one show where uh, I didn't know anything about it. 2 years ago I didn't I've never read a comic about it I've never followed it I didn't even know what's going on yep. and all it took was that first trailer of and it's not a spoiler but where his girlfriend gets run over at the side of the road the trailer it was like um it's like watching the trailer to Sausage Party where it was <laughs> oh, such God. A, no 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 <laughs> don't but, but remind no, no, me but, of but that but film just, no 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 just, rem- just <laughs> but remember the trailer and how it completely deconstructed this the notion of uh happy children's animation the trailer did anyway with this horrific kitchen scene i thought yes i want to go and see that film it wasn't as it wasn't very good film but uh, (laughs) with this show as soon as i saw as soon as i saw that roadside scene i thought i have to watch this and the more i watched it, the more and it was one of those those shows where you sat down and think oh i have a really good idea for a show where superheroes are really violent and they get their Come up and send they get away with stuff. They're not actually good. They're overpowered. They have collateral damage. And I thought, damn, it's already been made. And I just thought, yeah. it's such a great and show. And it's
2: probably the best possible version of it as well. Absolutely. I find it really interesting, Sammy, that you described Homelander as what if Superman, but with a twisted moral compass. Because one thing that stands out to me in The Boys is that it's quite a hard show to watch and that you don't know who to support because I'd say mm. most of the characters are quite awful people. Yeah. But like, I think there's only one character in it who's a good person, and even she's not great. <laughs> uh, what about Huey? Huey's not that great. Oh, no, Huey starts go great, in, but he starts, he starts to go starts less great. great. He, does, he does some awful things pretty right. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I think that... That the... I won't get into, obviously, but...
3: So, yeah, as great as Carl Urban is in the role of Billy Butcher, uh, his counterpart in the show uh the superhero homelander played by anthony Starr, uh has also got to be up there for one of the best new tv or film characters of all time um and i've loved having my face deep faked onto him by <laughs> you guys sam lander uh, his, <laughs> um,
0: his, he's so scary yet so funny and he is. he's so yeah. his his like annoyed expression is the most terrified thing terrifying thing i've ever seen on television simply because you know that uh, he, he's just gonna turn his eyes on whenever and just kill a load of people just because that's what he's see, like
3: you really see especially in season two um how unstable mm. and volatile and also like alone he really is and it's such a testament to the show that at times I do feel pity for him because it can't have been easy. Like, uh, without spoiling it for Melanie, like Mm, how he gets to where he is. is I think I I think that's a testament to Anthony Starr
2: as well, though, that he can do all of that. Because I was already familiar with him from Banshee, but then his performance in this is just on another level entirely. And like the plane scene in season yeah. one, which obviously I won't go into what it is, is probably one of the best TV scenes in years. Yeah, uh, and that's absolutely. mostly down to how good he is in it. Like the he's... amount of different characters he has to play in that one character. It's yeah. so good.
0: And there is, there is one scene in season two where he gets to act on his own who I, which I think if, if that doesn't win him an Emmy, I'll be very disappointed because that scene is, it's it's not even like a great scene. He's just amazing in it on his own and he's having yeah. so much fun and, i can't imagine having to play it's such crazy a that terrifying exact creep. Scene you're talking about. yeah exactly it's such a weird scene but i just <laughs> thought if, if you're going to show the emmys are real to pick a film uh, pick an actor to win an award i'd show them that because oh, man
2: he's just puts he's just
0: pushed the boundaries there i think he's great yeah the boys is... right and then yeah,
2: uh, and then auntie and then auntie donna got to kill him like in their first episode
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah um that wasn't the only big release this year um I know that the sequel series of one of Mike's favourite shows came out this year. Mike?
2: It did. Uh, it's Haunting of Bly Manor came out this year. Haunting of Hill House is one of my favourite shows. I also only watched that for the first time last year. Um, I watched that at the start of lockdown. And then obviously later on in the year we got Bly Manor. So I watched them both in the same year. And I love horror. Horror is my absolute favourite genre. And I think Mike Flanagan is probably one of the best people mm. working in the genre at the moment. Because he really gets the horror is not just about how scary it is; it's about the characters in there as well. And both yeah. Hill House and Blind Man, they're very different stories. Like Hill House is a lot more of a horror, and then Blind Man is more of a romance, I'd say, just with a lot of horror aspects in there. And they're both so different, but they're also both just so good. And his attention to detail, like being able to look in the background in any scene and just find hidden scary things in almost every shot, is incredible. He's got loads of the same cast in both of them and they all play completely different characters in both and again are great and I think just seeing them together so close together and seeing how different they are but also how they share all the same great qualities is a really good example of what makes it such a good show.
3: So they're not it's not uh one story over two seasons, is it? No.
2: They're
3: separate shows, no, it's... aren't they? Yeah, it's sort of,
2: it's going to be an anthology show where every season is a different thing. So, like, the first season is Haunting of Hill House, based on the book by Shirley Jackson, and then Haunting of Blind Manor is based on Turning the Screw by Henry James. So, I assume sort of each season is going to be based on another Mm -hmm. classic horror book, but he puts his sort of own twist to them. It sort of reminds
0: me of a board game called Betrayal of, um, uh,
2: The Betrayal of Hill House. House? Yeah, Yeah. Betrayal, yeah, House of Haunted Hill.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yes, and so, no, yeah, and so you know, you 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 devise characters, and then depending on how you move in the game, different scenarios pop
2: out. Um, um, and, it, and fun I, fact about that game: I've never played a game where I wasn't the betrayer at the end. It's I, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just it's never played the a game. Fun, yeah.
0: I think it's such a fantastic game, a and, game. I, and yeah. I think that this series brings everything that I feel playing that game into a tv series the suspense of what's going to happen next the fact that you feel that you're having an effect even though you're not you know the betrayal is a very structured game i know you get choices to to make but ultimately the game dictates what you do um there's also that that awful set of dread in every single episode that um, yeah
2: and, and you I don't and never know me. where it's going i, I yeah. you know
0: i i I I have read the book. I have seen films, other films based on it, but you still look at it and go, "Oh my god!" Like, uh, I I just I don't I don't want to watch because it's like I, it's just, the suspense is quite high all the time.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah that's, I, gotta that's say, a- I I hate horror movies. I never <laughs> until this year I hardly ever watched horror films, and Hill House and Bly Manor make me like want to watch more horror films.
3: I was going to say because really I'm not. Good a massive avid horror fan either because really yeah.
1: I just mean, I don't it's like, like
3: being scared
1: um, it, I mean I can recommend you a website that shows you where every jump scare is there aren't, I, aren't even that many jump no, scares no that
3: would ruin <laughs> ruins the whole point I, of no, I don't the doesn't I, <laughs> <it better.
1: laughs>
2: I think that Mike Flanagan is a really good director to jump into for people who aren't fans of horror mm-hmm. though because even if you don't like the horror aspects he puts so much character into every story yeah. that he makes yeah.
1: that like, yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: That, like they're just so watchable anyway because yeah. you want to keep watching for the characters even if you're going to be shutting your eyes for 50 percent of it
1: or like putting <laughs> yeah.
2: it on mute for a few for, for a few <laughs> but minutes that's definitely like, because he he uses jump scares really well yeah. as well because yeah. i think jump scares can be really cheap but there's one scene in specific in whole house that i won't spoil because so it completely got me but it's probably the best jump scare in years
1: because
2: mm, it's so well okay. done I'm
3: definitely going to check it out at some point. Yeah, okay.
1: you should, yeah. I mean, if not for, like, the story, then for Oliver Jackson-Cohen <laughs> and <Andrew> Robicola <laughs> uh, in the second season.
3: But uh, <laughs> speaking of things I want to watch but haven't yet, there's a little uh, there's a little pirate TV show that I've Is not there? seen. A little Melo-
1: pirate TV show. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah, it's- that-
3: there's there's definitely nothing or there's definitely no
0: no way somebody could be obsessed with this next
1: TV oh, show. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh wait,
0: <laughs> it, no. it's got
3: pirates in it. Hang on a sec, Melanie. So, have you seen have you seen this TV show so
1: that we're talking about? in 2020, I got obsessed with pirates. I guess. Um, so this pirate TV <laughs> show. No guesswork required,
0: <laughs> Melanie. hashtag, hashtag no... justice justice for Johnny Depp.
1: Um. <laughs> oh. No, um. So the TV show is called Black Sails. It came out in 2014. It is, for me, it's the discovery of 2020, though there were some others as well, of course. But yeah, um, no, I was absolutely obsessed with it. I There's like 38 episodes, all of, are about an hour long. I watched all of them within 10 days, and then after four days of finishing them, started a rewatch. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> when I was not watching it, I was obsessing about it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I just think it has one of the best characters in TV history, which is Chuck Rackham. Um, it has one of the best TV show finales in TV history because it just Ooh. beautifully wraps up the whole story. Like, there's always a red thread mm. throughout all four seasons, and it beautifully wraps that up. And everybody, like every character's conclusions, makes sense. Yeah. And so, has the yeah. show I finished
3: dead? now? Has it like wrapped up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up the, So finale. there's there
1: were four four seasons. Um, and, yeah, so on a rewatch, it's even better because they start things in season one that will be important in the finale. that yeah. They will, like, wrap up in the finale uh, and see more.
3: I don't suppose it's uh, in any way um, historically accurate in part. Or, or is it just, <laughs> no, no, is no. it just inspired <laughs> so, by, like, different bits and pieces because yeah, I quite yeah, like yeah. my pirates... <laughs> Um, so, and I did a lot of research during my A levels for some reason into like real life pirates and like nice. stuff. That's because you're obsessed with you, pirates. You're a bad character. boy.
1: <laughs> You'll I'm know a pirate, about some of the pirates pirate stuff. Um, so I I don't know how I've got, that,
2: got a question that yeah. you might be able to answer at the same time as Sami because has got sort of how historic oh is it? I wanted to ask sort of what it's actually about. Yeah, because okay. obviously I know it's about pirates, it's about but you speak about it all the time. And I have Isn't no idea enough? what it's really about. Hot pirates, is that not enough <laughs> for you, Mike? <laughs> so like, hot is
3: pirates.
2: Is it about like as Sammy said? Is it like properly historically accurate? or Is
1: it like no, a new no. story that they
2: build around?
3: Because
2: I know there's
1: some
3: fictional characters. Pirate. Let it. Uh, let it yeah. finish. Let it oh, sorry, answer. So Bloody hell. So let me <laughs>
1: speak. <laughs> um, there is. Uh, so it's based on some Treasure Island characters, or yes. I think most of the main characters of Treasure Island. I've never read Treasure Island. Oh, you should! It's one
3: of I the own, best I've books ever I've never had written. a
1: pirate face. I'm having my pirate face now in my mid twenties. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some Treasure Island characters. There's Captain Flint. There is mm. John Silver, um, Billy Bones. Those are the ones I think that are in the book. Yes. And then some of the other pirates. I mean, there's some completely fictional characters. But then some of the other pirates are based on real life pirates. So Jack Rackham existed. Um, there's Charles Vane is going to show up.
3: Ben Hornigold. Um. Yeah.
1: Is he in is it? Is I don't know. But Teach. I. So Edward Teach.
0: It. Yeah. Well, I, I'm yeah. very excited for you to read
3: Treasure Island now. Okay. It's my um, second favorite book of all times. Yeah, I one. It's only good thing. Yeah, things yeah about but that's.
0: I, I think this is a both ways because, um, this is. Uh, black sales is such a good supplementary piece to mm. treasure island yeah. um the characters are so well done in the tv show um, yeah. from the book that if you are a massive fan of the book i am a you massive fan you can't help but get very excited when you see these guys turn up uh, likewise i think um to get more uh, you know, to get more characters from black sales uh I see them where they came from is very interesting because mm. you'll see the inspirations for their characters. Um, yeah. I also think the cast in uh, Black sails is ridiculously it's done, amazing. R- ridiculously good. Um, yeah. So my, I got,
1: mean, I, I, I mentioned Jack Rackham. Um, Toby yeah. Schmidt does an, a tremendous job. I love him. Yeah. It's, it's also so got.
0: Um, it's also got Maggie Smith's son in it, isn't it? Yeah, Toby, Toby Stevens. Toby
1: Stevens. Yeah. Who? He's, I, he's Flint.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
1: I also have I... forgot to mention when you mentioned Jack Rackham, you also have to mention Anne Bonny, who's also in this, and their oh. relationship is perfect. It's so well done. It's amazing. But yeah, yeah. It's about I have it's... one more question.
2: <laughs> I have one more question about yeah.
1: casting.
2: Um, if they were to make a sequel to Muppets Treasure Island oh, and yes. do the plot <laughs> of Black Sails, do the plot <laughs> of Black Sails in it, which Muppet would you have be Jack Rackham? Well, it's kind of a prequel, I, isn't it? So
0: I that's already um,
1: that's already messed muppets. up.
0: <laughs> pretty sure Black it. Sails is a prequel, so that is
1: yeah. Um, Seems so to be a prequel, a prequel to muppet's
0: Treasure the, So you want to tre- you want to tre- Treasure Island. Island
3: prequel? Yeah, I mean... Treasure Island also the best Matrix <laughs> film. Yeah, like... but it's got to be a trilogy. <laughs> it would
1: have to be a Muppet with fluffy black hair, I guess.
3: <laughs> and...
0: Oh my. <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, isn't that Bert? isn't what doesn't one of Bert and ernie have fluffy what, black hair is that Ses- <laughs> no. that's not even muppets sesame, that's, sesame, I think, <laughs> that's sesame street that's sesame
1: yeah
3: <laughs> they're, they're part of the same canon though aren't they so
1: uh,
3: are they and anyway, i'm pretty sure they are anyway sesame street and muppets aside um boats are used to travel around the world um so speaking of traveling around the world, yeah. Greece, <laughs> A TV um, show I don't think any of us have seen. This, this, uh, isn't,
0: this isn't the first time I've seen this programme, but it's the first time I've f- um, followed up its, its preceding programmes. I'm, I'm on about the Michael Palin travel documentaries. Um, in particular, my favourite, which is Around the World in 80 Days, uh, in which he strives to emulate the journey of Phileas Fogg and beat him and... To, um, And see how fog would have got on if he had to get around the modern world, which is full of warfare, politics, religion, uh, business, money. All these things are in the way. Um, And, you know, at a time when you're locked down and you you couldn't walk more than five miles away from where you live, uh, it was really nice to indulge in a world which was so colourful, vibrant, far away on my television screen. Um, and he travels uh, across four continents. he goes from Europe to asia um through africa so Europe to Africa through all of asia um, o- over japan over North America and back to britain and it there there are it 's so well balanced that Michael Palin is such a funny person, naturally funny that every single scene is full of some oomph and colour which you just can't help but take your eyes off um there are also times where he's in really big trouble where he has to get to a certain place otherwise the entire show is over you know he has (laughs) connections he has connections to make in Jeddah which are tight and Singapore he has to get a like a last minute boat which wasn't meant to sail but did so that he could make this last connection so that he could make the boat that goes over the Pacific. And if he misses that, you can't complete the journey in 80 days. Uh, it also has some really touching slow parts. The, the best episode for me was the third episode, which is called Ancient Mariners, which he was on this small, um, this small traveling, very slow boat called a Dow, which would travel between Dubai and Bombay. Across the um, the Indian Ocean, and it was just like the whole. Well, the first two episodes were rushing to get to places. This was just sixty minutes of going very slowly. And <laughs> Michael Palin got to know his uh, crewmates and all their backstories. How they would always work on this dow. Yeah, they they get born. Their family would work on it. Then they get they they'd work on it, and then ultimately they grow old on it. Um, and it's just, it's such a, it's when you when you think about television, you, it's often hard to discuss the whole. Th- it's always it's always easy to discuss the television program as a whole. And then when you have to get down into what makes each episode special, it's the the fact that they're so well balanced. You have these chaotic episodes and these nice slow episodes. Uh, another example is when he has to cross the Pacific, which is just. Uh, thousands of miles of sea same scenery how do you make that into an entertaining 60 minutes and
2: where well, you have michael palin <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh, yeah that, that was it. that was something uh, i was going to ask i'm i'm glad you mentioned like the comedic side because i was going to make sure to ask because like often nature documentaries don't try to go for a particularly fun tone often they're a bit more serious but like obviously michael palin is known for monty python which is really silly, oh, okay. so, well, so yeah, I, I was going to make sure I, to ask, like, I call if he yeah. put, like, his sense of comedy into his travel documentaries or not, yeah. so it's good to hear that he did, I well, so I imagine that it's once, a concept it's that's much more fun if well, you're having a bit of a laugh with it. Yeah,
0: he, he's so, well, he's so good, because he's very good at making the documentary not about him, and so the way he engages with everyone around him yeah. is what really makes the show i mean he wasn't even the first choice i'm pretty sure noel edmonds got approached to do this and turned it down and you just think can you imagine going around the world with noel edmonds <laughs> thinking there's no and then and it's not just the fact that he's funny he's he he gets this good advice at the start to say if you're going to if you're going to try and interact with people don't try and use their language cuz you're just going to muck up and so he has to navigate through his Posh, um, classic
3: Oxbridge English through all these different situations, <laughs> well, and he's brilliant I, at caught, it. <laughs> I caught a bit of one episode, I think, when he was in. Uh, I think it was around Singapore, um, yeah, or he was just come down from Everest. Oh, uh, that's
0: that might be the Himalayas. There's different. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah I, but he I was gonna ask there's a scene it, where
3: is. he's just in this uh, like hut with these people, and he doesn't speak their language, and they obviously don't speak English. But they have this really like profound sort of conversation just in sort of like looks and gestures and he has this like great way of connecting with people and as you say not making it about him and making it about the the country and the culture and the experience absolutely and what Palin does is that
0: he brings these places to your tv screen uh in a way that I I've never seen another travel documentary do uh the um the director um what's his name is it Roger Mills he just this way of filming strangers and just watching people cross the road and watching people get into a car. Uh, he'd also like meet all sorts of different people there. So he'd meet with expats um, or ex-colonialists who lived in very posh houses. And but then he'd also the best one in pole to pole is where he spends the entire day. He t- it takes him something like two days to travel the, the distance from London to Oxford, and he's on this um, Sud- Sudanese train. Which keeps on breaking down and he has to eat awful food. And he's just like, th- you can tell this guy does it. He's doing it for real. And the people he's around are so varied and so, uh, so uh, just the embody the cult. authentic. Yeah. And yeah. no, I, I just love it. I, I, I've just started watching Sahara now, which is the fourth of his travel documentaries. And I'm just captivated by all of them. Such an interesting bloke, um, and he's definitely the best Python. Cool. Of course, it wasn't all new releases this year. Um, I'm sure we had a long back catalogue of films we'd promised ourselves we'd watch and get around to one day, and if being stuck at home all day with nothing to do isn't a good enough excuse to watch the worst of the worst and the best of the best, then when else are you going to do it? And So, Sammy, is there any particular films from, that you watched the first time that stood out to you? Uh,
3: well, yes, there is, Rhys. Um, thank you for asking. Uh, so I started watching the catalogue of Studio Ghibli films when they were released onto Netflix. Um, and it might be because it was my first Studio Ghibli film, or it might be because, as you were saying about the Michael Palin documentaries, sort of painting the picture of the world outside whilst we were all stuck inside, uh, Castle in the Sky um, was that great film for me. Um, it was fast-paced. It was like this inherently magical, tale esque narrative, um, but sort of grounded by these incredible characters. And as with many Studio Ghibli films that I sort of came to expect, having watched uh, a few more, uh, the world felt so sort of alive and lived in and it had this fantastic quality of being fantastical in nature but also like this was always the case like of course it's going to be this because why wouldn't it be and it doesn't feel cheap or lazy or out there for the sake of it it's just a perfect film in my opinion I have I rewatched <laughs> it uh two or three days ago Um, not in preparation for this or anything, I just had a hankering to being enthralled by the characters and the art and the sound design, and it was just stellar. Um, And I know a few of you guys also watched it when they released the Ghibli films. Yeah, because I, 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 like you, decided to like... So you go, Melanie.
1: No, I watched it years ago, so I watched um, many of the Studio Ghibli films, like when I was a child or a teenager i should say um i remember castle in the sky having one of the most beautiful endings yeah like it's, it's absolutely amazing and beautiful and it's yeah, sort of I
3: really it. it's a testament to uh the characters that you have like these sky pirates mm. um they sort of oh, pirates <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> Melanie watched this and was like, It's the pirate's life for me. <laughs> <laughs> um that you have like these sky pirates, you have government agents, you have um this sort of fallen uh empire uh, and these sort of almost godlike denizens with sort of technology that's sort of nigh on being close to magic, mm-hmm. and then you just have this miners' kid, but they blend it all so seamlessly and it's sort of like the way that studio ghibli tell their stories i think this film sort of might be one of the best to exemplify it is that it sort of it all slots together perfectly but if you pitched it it would just sound completely crazy that (laughs) miners guy finds floating girl who's secretly (laughs) you know uh spoilers and then they're pursued by the military sky pirates and these weird government agent guys. It's just, it, it sounds
2: nonsense. They also meet one of the best robot designs in movies. Agreed. It's, yeah. it's such a cool robot. It also yeah. inspired the Iron Golems in Minecraft, which is great. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, I can see that. Oh yeah, <laughs> um,
1: yeah, definitely. Because
2: I, I was like you, Sammy. I also just dove into Studio Ghibli when they put it all on Netflix because it sort of coincided so well with lockdown that it all went on there. I watched all of them and this absolutely is one of their best ones. It's just such it's such a massive breathtaking adventure that it's sort of impossible not to get swept away by it while you're watching it. Because it is really good. It's one of their best. I should for definitely sure.
1: rewatch it again now that I'm older.
3: It's mm. I just had this hankering to I've had this hankering to rewatch it for like the last two months and then also wanting to watch like all my Christmas films in December um and a lot of like horror films around October and sort of a bit of November. And I was so glad when I just sat down and I just put it on. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is just so incredible. And, like, so many different levels and layers. Mm. And the world feels so alive and vibrant, despite you only really visiting, like, one town and an army base. Um, the whole world feels, like, so alive. And, yeah, I really liked it. Do you, um,
2: yeah. do you know the tagline for Castle in the Sky? Or at least the one that's on Letterboxd? Because it's, uh, it's a pretty appropriate uh, one. I a sky don't. that levitates. No, a no it's that just... The, the, the tagline on Letterbox is literally just haunting and brilliant.
1: Oh, Correct. nice. <laughs> Correct.
2: Which is just such, such a great way to sum up the film. And it has,
3: yeah. like, one of... Out of the ones I've seen so far, um, but also just in films in general, one of Studio Ghibli's best uh, lead characters and villains. Um, just sort of ever... Yeah, there, fantastic. I, I, could, I could gush over this yeah, film, and definitely... I want to do a spoiler chat <laughs> at some point. Yeah, we, just should, so I we can should. be like, We can do a live watch along. And... I've,
0: yeah. <laughs> I've, I've never seen this film. Um, it's oh, one that reads. It's a, it's it's a classic one. Of I've been mean to get round to it, but I just haven't. Mm. Just because yeah. I, I, yeah. I keep on adding other stuff to my watch list ahead of it. Um, <laughs> is it is it a film that that engulfs you in niceness or is it yes. does it have very does it have very sharp sad undertones that you go uh, oh I okay I think so.
3: it's quite a fun it's sort of weirdly action packed um for like if you listen to the score again uh it doesn't feel like it would fit but it does but you have all these great action set pieces and they're so varied um the characters are all excellent you have moments uh obviously in like a lot of films where you have the doubts and the low points of the film um but they're not sharp or jarring that you know they fit the world and the tone of the film oh. which is ultimately sort of like this sort of action fairy tale um which sounds a bit juxtapositional but it really works in this film
0: nice but obviously, not all the films we saw this year were bundles of joy. Uh, Melody, do you, is there anything in particular that stood out as uh, yes. not not as jovial?
1: <laughs> yes, definitely. So I watched um, Bong Joon Ho's Memories of Murder from 2003. It's a North Korean film. And oh, Bong Joon Ho directs it. He's obviously known for Parasite. It also stars Song Kang Ho, who's also oh, yeah. in Parasite. Um it's a film about the very first I think serial killer that North Korea faced. Um so it's true crime. It's an unsolved case as well. And it's it's set sort of in the late 80s, early 90s in North Korea and it's it's 2 hours and 12 minutes long, which is extremely long for me, but <laughs> like it kept my attention the whole time and it's really good. And Do, is it a
3: dramatization of it or is it like more of a documentary?
1: No, no, no. It's a dramatization. So it's, okay. uh, it's, you know, it's not fictionalized, but it's, yeah, it's a dramatization. Exactly. Have you
3: ever seen, um, Zodiac? with so, Jake? Is yeah. Is it comparable? No,
1: I haven't seen it, but many people compare it to Zodiac.
3: Okay. Cause um, I really liked Zodiac.
1: Yeah. And so I've never seen Zodiac, but it really makes me want to watch Zodiac because many people compare it with it. And so if Memories want... of Murder have has I'm just going to say it's it's like it's strangely funny at times but then like extremely grim at other times and it's has one of the scariest sort of scenes that I've ever seen and it makes me even more scared to walk home alone at night <laughs> But well, if amazing. you want,
3: if you want reasons to watch Zodiac, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., and Mark Ruffalo are the yeah. three leads. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah but Bon joon Ho, man, Bon Jang Ho and Song Kang Ho,
1: I mean, <laughs> it's
0: literally the standard for this year. Oh,
1: the, the, They've taken the over main. the
0: world. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: The two main guys, so I think it's Song Kang Ho or the three main guys, and then Kim Sung yeah. Kyung. Um, they're so good. There's like this detective that comes from the big city to this like small town where the murders mm-hmm. are happening, and that guy is so great. And like the chemistry between the between the small town detectives and the and the like big city de- detective is just amazing.
3: Where is it available? i sort of yeah.
1: yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we're back to the subject of pirates here. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the um, the only
2: sure. exposure.
1: Then again, I don't. The only exposure
2: I've so. got. The only exposure <laughs> I've got to Bong Joon Ho is Parasite. Would you say so. it has sort of any similarities to Parasite? Or Would you say it's sort oh. of him
1: handling have you something
2: not, completely have, different?
0: Have you not seen Snowpiercer?
2: No, I haven't seen Snowpiercer.
1: Okay. Okay. He also did the Um, host, didn't he? So I think, uh, if I may remember Parasite correctly, it also has this sort of dichotomy of it being sometimes really funny, but then also obviously Mm. being really grim. Um, So there is that. I I mean, obviously the subject matter is quite different because Parasite is like a fictional story and Mm. it's also a lot more... I think I described Parasite as like a perfect symphony of like filmmaking. And I think mm. Memories of Murder isn't quite that artistic in the sense of like, it does feel a bit realer, I guess, a bit more Yeah, well, I was going to
3: ask, because where I'm guessing it follows the detective and like the families, is it sort of sensitive in representing that? Because uh, Zodiac follows three people who are sort of, they're they're all connected, but it's not really about the zodiac's victims. It's more mm. like these three guys who, other other than just having this interest, wouldn't really be connected. Okay. Um, so, like, how sort of um,
1: what's the proximity
3: like between like the story and the actual right. murders and I'm stuff? I'm not
1: entirely sure. Like, I didn't read up too much on the actual case. Uh, um, so, in the film, you mostly just follow the detectives. you don't mm. really get to know the victims all that much okay. um there is one victim that you get to know a little bit more, but I don't want to say too much about that because that's quite a shocking um okay. like spoiler, I guess and um so you don't really follow the victims all that much it's yeah, and because also it's an unsolved case. I mean, obviously you also don't really follow the murderer all that much because <laughs> you can't. Um so you've just got these detectives who in themselves are very problematic. Like in a way it's sure it's about it's this film about this like murder case that actually happened, but it's also very much a film about like their characters and their problems that they have. And mm. yeah.
0: Okay. Do you get the same sense as oh maybe a better question is did you know about the subject matter beforehand, and if so, or if not, so was there? Did you always have that sense of dread of what was coming?
1: No, so I didn't know it was going to be about a real murder case or a real celi- serial killer case. Um, the the subject matter, like you're not being, I don't know, like it starts with. Somebody was killed and they have to okay, investigate yeah, yeah, yeah. it. So, like, there's no guessing that this is going to be about a murder or anything. Like, it's it okay, with yeah, that. Yeah. And, okay. yeah. And anybody who would know about this um, true crime case would immediately, I guess, yeah. like realize that it's about this.
0: Uh, I'm very happy that you brought this film up because it, yeah, Parasite really hopefully broke that trend of looking down on foreign Mm. language films Mm. yeah, Yeah. the fact that the fact that there is a foreign language category at the academy awards is something yeah well that that's there (laughs) so it restricts it restricts who gets to see what and the fact that that now Parasite has led people to uh, expand their uh, potential filmography is so great um Mm. and I've really enjoyed watching uh, his films this year, especially I think the host, as crazy and as weird as it is, is such a great like uh, if I came out if I saw that when it came out, I would be all over it. Um, and Snow Piercer is a, a great great film, yeah, which
1: Snow Piercer that I understood fifty percent of because it didn't have subtitles. <laughs> <or anything>. uh. <laughs> but yeah
3: moving from horrific unsolved murder cases back to something a little bit more friendly. Uh, Reese.
0: Yes, so um, back in March, I decided to invest in Disney+, Plus, in the knowledge that there would be brand new Marvel TV shows coming out, which haven't come out until now, which means I've had eight months, I've paid 60 quid. I'm like, well, I can either cancel it or I can make the most of this 60 quid. And so I've been trying to make my way through as much as Disney Plus as possible. And the biggest challenge I had of that was watching all 58 Disney animated films, uh, which are classed as the Disney Studios Animation, uh, Disney Animation Studios. And there were a lot of, of course, there's a lot of classics in there. I'd seen stuff like, you know, who hasn't seen Cinderella when they were a kid, who hasn't seen... Me. Uh, Snow White and Me. particularly the, the, rena- the Renaissance films such, such as Aladdin Me. and Lion Me. King, Pocahontas
3: I've not awesome. seen, I've not yeah. genuinely not Hold seen so, any of these films Not and even so I was, Lion King
0: I was really surprised at the amount of films I'd never seen before I'd never even heard of, there's a whole host of wartime films but I always got this sense of right. I want to get through the big. Well, I, I want to watch the big ones, which means I have to get through the lesser well-known ones. Oh, fine. If I want to get as soon as I finished like Sleeping Beauty, I was like, fine. I've got to get my head down so I can reach Aladdin now, because Sleeping that's. Beauty. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like thirty years worth of film. But I was really surprised that I found this absolute gem. Um, and the the one that stood out the most to me was. The Aristocats. It just <laughs> screamed out in there. I was very worried because the, the previous film that I watched, Jungle Book, was Walt Disney's last film. And so this is really much a beginning of the... I think they call it the Bronze Age, where they don't have Walt Disney anymore. Um, Wolfgang Reitherman really is in control, who was a great Disney animator. And I was just taken aback by how lovely this film is. <laughs> it, 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 I'm a sucker for... Um, Hyper violence and really uh, intense issues, but when a film just engulfs you in delight and comfort uh, and if you put if you put ten plus cats on a screen i 'm going to love the film
1: yeah, yeah um, it 's
0: a very simple, ridiculous <laughs> plot where there's these cats trying to stop a butler, steal the inheritance that an old woman is trying to give the cats. You're like, why do the cats need money? Why is she giving the money to the cats? And it's just like, it's so stupid, but I don't care because they just get dropped into the middle of nowhere in France and they just meet all these wonderful characters. There's this brilliant shot of them just walking as geese. And I just like stood there going, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in ecstasy here. This is great. I'm, in so, I'm I remember, so happy like, watching this.
1: Um, in and, heaven.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then sorry, sorry, and then then out of nowhere comes Scatman freaking Crothers man. I mean, uh, Dick Halloran Dick from The Shining is in there. Yeah, he's just like it's it's Scatman. It's just he's just I just got
3: engulfed in it. I remember um, watching uh, it this it's... year as well, and f- finding it fine, but it didn't really click for me. Um, but I will say ah, that yeah. um, everybody wants to be a cat is an absolute tune. It, it's, oh, it's such flat. a good
1: Absolute. song. And, yeah. It's, oh, it's so good, yeah. And I, I, think I, re, I, I think the last time I watched this film, it was definitely on VHS, so that's how <laughs> long ago. Yeah.
2: Melanie. <laughs> <And, you know, laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't seen this film. <laughs> and oh. CEO,
0: it's, got, it's got such a great voice cast. I mean, it's got Eva, um, Eva Gabor as, as the Duchess, which is such a great cast. It's got Phil Harris, you know, um, Balloon Bear, hallway. Little John. Such a great voice for to, um, Thomas O'Malley, who is, what, who is a top tier Disney character. I mean, he's he's such a, it's, it's a cat. It's such a presence on screen. And again, and mm. I said, um, this is such, a, this is such like a knock in the teeth for someone like Tom Hooper, who didn't know how to get a film about singing cats. <laughs>
2: Right. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I, I it's was not hard. You, I was going to ask you about that because I wanted to ask what the soundtrack is like and if it holds up. Because obviously, when I hear Singing Cats, I think yeah, of that other film in which well, the soundtrack was mostly quite horrific. Well, it's ingrained. Mr. Um, in, cats was
0: first. Well, it's ingrained. Yeah, in I'm aware jazz. of
2: that. I'm aware of Mr.
0: Cats was <laughs> first. I feel the, the 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 soundtrack sort of um it has a very jazz uh, upbeat vibe to it. it has a very jazz centric yeah. vibe to it. I mean, it starts it starts with a with a Cat playing on a piano, playing random random tunes. Like if that doesn't set the tone of what the music is going to be <laughs> like, and then it, again, um, as soon as Scatman Crothers and the ja- and that jazz band come in, you just like I used to It was the best scene in the, the film
3: for me. Like I, mean, it might just be because I've never been absolutely. that into cats. Like I don't. No, it's, it's not just, that. It it's, wasn't. It wrong yeah. But this, <laughs> yeah, but,
0: but this, this, this film really epitomised my watch through. In that there are so many overlooked Disney films, really, that mm. got get get. They don't because you've got the massive Renaissance films, and you've got the old Dumbo and Bambi, who, which have mm. been watched over and over. You get like little gems like the Aristocats. You've got um, the Great Mouse Detective. Yes, the Great Mouse, Mouse right? Detective yeah. is yes. excellent. Yeah, uh, but, okay, do you know
1: okay, I mean? So you there's g- one thing you've got- though isn't aristocats just a little bit offensive yeah it's a
3: little bit sketchy in places you have like one <laughs> of the characters like is uh literally just called chinese cat um and the depiction yeah. is not oh. great on screen either um uh, i will. yeah we will
0: acknowledge they're not that, great then it, yeah. it, it is a downplay to the film, um, but. If you're that, I was quite engrossed. But with it, it's so. never like at the mm. character's it,
3: expense, it's it, it, just a bit caricature in the style that it's drawn. Yeah, it's. Mm. It's. It's. They should have known better, definitely. But it's not like. It's not made a big deal out of. They're not like the butt of any jokes as a result of it. It's just the. It's yeah, just how they've drawn it. It's not. Them. Um, mm. so yeah, exactly. So it's not as it's problematic not, as like it, some other it, films it, have been.
0: Well, well, the other one. The other one to point out is um, the Siamese cat in. Um, Lady and the Tramp, which uh, this this film has. Oh, a, see, I thought that was a, I
2: thought that was Aristocats.
0: No, no, no. The, although this film does have a uh, one recurring character from Lady and the Tramp, uh, Jock the Scottish Terrier is. It makes a cameo appearance in this film, so that's oh. pretty cool. I just think yes. this it engulfs uh, if, if if you ever need any motivation to go and watch classic Disney films, this this for, this film for me has everything in it, it has a strong voice cast, the art is so beautiful and colourful and it makes characters out of uh just, just you know, animals with which look they look so normal, but they get so much character with
2: the writing and the drawing. Okay. Um, well, moving on, what surprises me what surprises me is that you talk about overlooked Disney films and then we look at Sammy who's seen Aristocats and Great Mouse but Detective not. but hasn't seen Snow White <laughs> or, or Cinderella Lion King, or
3: Lion King. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, moving on. Sorry, Sammy, do you have yeah. Disney
0: Plus? Why aren't you watching Because you keep telling on... me to
3: watch Clone Wars, Reese. <laughs>
0: we'll Which is also on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So watch, stop stop watching stop no, watching Spider Man. Spectacular Spider Man and watch all of his. Um,
3: anyway, Disney anyway, person. uh punch bag moment aside, let's move on from something that's only minorly problematic to something that's massively oh problematic. God. Um I I have this I have this awful feeling that that my
0: night is yeah, about to be ruined. My my life is ruined by this well, next film. Because I I know that there's someone on here who has an obsession with terrible um, films. This is and likes
3: making other the people the single watch worst him. film I've ever yes, seen. me. Uh, Mike, do you want to talk us through why this is... Well, I, the, reason, <laughs> the reason I've chosen
2: this next movie is because we can gush about movies we love yes, we can. All, year, yes, we can. all night. But yeah. talking about movies I loved doesn't sum up fully my 2020 watching experience. <laughs> we watched because so much I also watched a lot of terrible movies in 2020 and I dragged you guys along for the ride over <laughs> Discord. And we dived in to the horrid side of filmmaking of Netflix teen movies, originally starring Noah Centineo, then we moved on to other Netflix teen movies. It's been an awful experience, but the one I wanted to pick, because it most sums up that side of my 2020 viewing experience, was the absolutely horrific Sierra Burgess oh. is a loser. Oh. <laughs> we all watched it together even over the Discord. Name, we all hated it. It's one of the worst movies any of us have ever seen. PTSD. Just, just to sum up what it's about, it's about this girl called Sierra Burgess, who is a loser apparently, um, and she decides that she wants to get a boyfriend. So she teams with a bully at her school to basically catfish and abuse Noah Centineo's character um, into dating her. And it's 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 very horrific and problematic, but it also just has so many of the teen movie tropes that I saw a lot last year. And I feel like it's worth sometimes talking.
3: About the worst of the worst the, when it comes s- to films, and it's it's hard to I get I think the single worst uh, yeah. <laughs> element of the film, and not having all these problematic things that she does like through the course of the film to get with Noah, it's that by the end of the film she's not punished for any of those things specifically. Yuck. There's like the classic, uh, you know, misunderstanding, and then it's all revealed, and there's like those five minutes of where she's really sad, but. The actual things she does to get there, like kissing him when he doesn't know that it's her kissing him uh, and yeah. like pretending to know sign language and then she doesn't. So it's just like... she's never called out for any of those things and so by rewarding her at the end it validates it it validates the behaviour and it's just unacceptable because it's so problematic it's
2: it's one of the worst things about how the movie is made is that it kind of tries to get you on her side Mm -hmm. and we were all while watching it we were all adamantly like on Noah's side, mm. in yeah. the, none of us we're are on her on Noah's side, side. Let's be Her honest. character is so awful. <laughs> yeah, we're always on Noah's side, he's, except the swipes. So, uh, but yeah, <laughs> but he's—it's just—it's so weird that the film. Because if this had been a film about this character doing these horrible things, and they'd and done they it in up the like in the light that she was doing horrible yeah. things, then there might have been something redeemable here. But the fact that they want us to be on her side, and the fact they try and get us to team up with her and like approve of what she's doing is really awful. But yeah. I think it sums up the tropes of all the teen movies. Like, mm. trying to get people to date you in problematic ways. All yeah, the yeah. cliches. Yeah, yeah, okay. um, like, they've all got the same structure. And I think this is as sort of cliche of those teen movies you get, but also I, combined with just the most abhorrent... Behaviour. Like, behavior. Yeah. methods of writing it possible.
0: I... I when, when I thought about this film, I couldn't help but think back to... Do you remember the reaction when... Cuties got put onto Netflix. No, and the yes, and the there was this there was this like attack that it was a really paedophilic, gross, crude sort of exploitation of little girls, and I completely disagree, and, and I just can't believe that people have a go at a film like that when. Such a film like this is on Netflix. Yeah. I mean, I never. And thought, not only that, this, I, this not, is a
2: Netflix original as well.
0: I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm never one for censoring material and telling people not to watch stuff. But this is probably the first film. Well, actually, no. It's it's one of two films that I've seen on Netflix, and I've come got th- come come out of it thinking Netflix should be ashamed that this is on their well, platform. Well, yeah, it's it's the single worst. It's such film a vile. It it's it's such a vile. Crass, unfunny, predatory, and disgusting hour of hour and a half yeah. of film. It is. And, and, it and is and really bad. And just judge it. I, I. just judge people who who watched this and said, "I like this." I just. I. I get the day before. I. W- I watched Swiped. And I thought that was appalling yes. and disgusting. And another film that I thought yeah. should not exist. But then I watched this and thought, you know what? Also Swiped starring has a- Swip- Yeah, Swiped has... Right? <laughs> no, but then I, I finished there a bit. I thought, Swiped has a case. Swiped has a case.
3: <laughs> okay, so so we're going to put a pin in our uh, stream of hatred for this contemptible film. Uh, and trying to end on a positive, we're going to dive into some of the things we're looking forward to starting uh, or watching in the next week or so. Uh, Melanie anything you've got planned or in your head to watch?
1: Yes so I'm trying to watch a film every day for this Same. year and oh. I think <clears throat> so I think tomorrow I might be watching The Fast and the Furious <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes
0: Great, which one? That's a great so, franchise, yeah. very Excited underrated that. <laughs> Which one?
1: The first
0: one, so like the first oh. one. Oh yeah. see, I know, I know that people say that it doesn't get good until the more action ones, but I think yeah, the first one's great. Yeah. Vin Diesel is actually good in the film and <laughs> that is very <laughs> it's, rare. It's very much it's very much point break with cars. <laughs> and you know, and you know, when, when you do watch Fast Seven and um what's his name? Paul uh Weller Walker. Walker. Is it Paul Weller? Walker. Yeah. Paul, oh, Walker. Paul, Paul, Paul Walker. Walker. And when Paul Walker yeah, when they have that montage at the end of the seventh film, you it goes all the way back to the first one. You're like, Oh god, I remember how different and great these films are. Yeah. It's it's, it's such, such a, a good, good franchise. franchise
2: just for how emotional the ending of seven is. Exactly. It's a really underrated franchise. Like it's a franchise that is dumb but it knows it's dumb. <laughs> and it pretends it's dumber than yeah. it is, which okay. is great.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for uh, that tomorrow. <laughs> Mike,
2: what are you what are you thinking of getting into? Um I finally finished the Godzilla franchise, so I'm going to move on to the next big franchise I've been meaning to watch for ages, and I'm going to finally watch the Hellraiser films. because I think it's the one big horror slasher franchise I haven't seen yet, and I've seen none of them. I know nothing about them except for Pinhead,
1: and I'm really excited to
2: dive into them, because I feel like once I've seen them, I've seen all the big franchises, and I can really dive into the smaller stuff. I don't think... I know that you watch a lot
0: of horror films, but I don't think you've seen a more varied... Um, series of films than Hellraiser, there is. I mean, there's so much good and bad, and there's such a variation of themes and types of horror film that you will come across. And I think you're going to instantly fall in love with Pinhead because yeah, what a great, I, I can't wait. It's a, it's a journey.
3: I'm really excited to go on. Uh, Reese, what about you? Any films or TV shows?
0: Well, I'm in. Well, I I usually tend usually this time when the, the theaters are open. Um, a lot of the Academy Award films starting getting released. And so this is usually a time for me to catch up with films I missed last year. And so I'm trying to catch up on 2020 films, which were critically acclaimed so that I can add them to fancy lists on Letterboxd. <laughs> and so I'm probably I'm looking to watch um, Le Miserable this week sometime. Not the French musical, but the uh, the film that came out last year. Uh, it's a modern day sort of ata- uh, adaption. Uh, which is set in an impoverished suburb of um, Montferme um and you know it it uh, follows a local anti-crime squad and um, i'm just really the the race issues that will come up and see how it adapts uh the the very tragic story of the book i imagine it will in a modern very uh very uh hostile environment that is the modern day france is I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I've been meaning to watch this for a long time. Also going to try and pick up maybe Proxima, which I should have watched when it came out in cinema, but then I chose not, and then all the cinemas shut, and I was like, <laughs> damn, I really wanted to see that. <laughs> Again, another French film, I think. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to catch up on all the French films. Nice.
1: What about uh, you, Sam?
3: Well, I'm yeah, Sammy. watching Spectacular Spider-Man, which got put onto Netflix recently. Ugh. Which is it is
2: incredible. One of the best versions Ryan Spider-Man ever put to
3: screen. I'm uh, to it's side not the best. With Mike here, Reese. I'm afraid. Uh, well, from what I've seen so far, I'm really enjoying it. I'm not really familiar. And it just gets better of, as it
2: goes, because sort of, it does so I'm many not, character items, like, I'm, not too too I'm not too familiar. I'm not too familiar with season. like a
3: lot of Spider-Man's roads gallery in the way that I am sort of with Batman's, and I suppose like a lot of people are. Um, so I'm excited to sort of like learn more about these versions of the characters. Uh, but also, I am going to start my Doctor Who watch, uh, cl- the classic series. Uh, I'm going to try and do uh, a story a week, um, <laughs> which I'm very excited.
2: Um, for. Mike, that's going to be an interesting Sorry, years long. Yes, Mike, I'm sure it will. Mike, sure you.
3: It Mike, will. Yeah, Mike, I, I've no, yeah. You, Mike, um You, Mike, them on Letterboxd like once <laughs> a week, and I always like, I'm always intrigued <laughs> to actually watch them because I'm a big Doctor Who fan. But film-wise, I think I'm gonna pick up my Studio Ghibli watch because I sort of I put it on pause for a little bit. I watched Ponyo last night, um, which was very sweet. Mm. Uh, and also, I think I might give Birds of Prey another watch tonight. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um... Are there any films in 2021 that you're really uh, looking bunch. forward to? I have no uh, idea what's coming up.
0: Uh, most of the same <laughs> ones that I was looking forward to in 2020.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. no Time to Die, I'm really excited too. I watched every single Bond film in a really quick space uh, leading up no to that very reason. first release. <laughs> then, they, then it got delayed
3: the day after I finished them. And, it's, it's and really you re them all again. So I cannot to, wait for that movie. Um, Death on the <laughs> Nile. Um, S- the Suicide Squad looks like a yeah. lot of fun. Um, yeah, the Snyder
2: Cut 100%. I cannot wait for because I expect it to be a trash fire, but I just um, I just want to see what it's like. I just want to see how that's um, going to turn out.
3: Uh, I can't wait for Dune, which I think uh, will be the Lord I'm of the Rings also of this generation. Excited for Last Night in Soho because it's been a while since we got an Edgar yeah. Wright film, and he's yeah. always oh, great. Well... Mm. So
1: the- there is an untitled Ben Schwartz <laughs> and Sam Rockwell comedy. Yes. I'm not even sure if that's coming <laughs> out in 2020. I don't think that's coming out. Also,
2: is that much. is that what it's going to say on the poster when you go to the <laughs> yeah. cinema to see it? It's what untitled Ben Schwartz
0: and, and Sam Rockwell comedy. And
2: also, I
0: can't, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't,
1: five stars.
2: <laughs> I
0: can't wait for the biggest um, kaiju event in the history of cinema, which is the God, cinematic oh yeah. debut <laughs> of
2: Clifford the Big Red Dog. Clifford. Well, thing is, we're getting Clifford the Big Red Dog in the same year as Godzilla vs. Kong, which I'm unbelievably hyped for. <laughs> Godzilla vs. Kong, not Clifford. Which means Clifford Enter the Monsterverse isn't uh, that but far, far. You know what I'm also... <laughs> uh, we're also probably getting live-action But I'm also year, we, on the subject of Spider-Man,
3: um, kind of. Uh, the Morbius and Venom 2 films, uh, I'm so wanting them to be as trashy mm. as Venom was
2: yeah morbius is another one like snyder cut where i expect it to be a dumpster fire but i want to see just what it is like the fact that vulture was in the trailer for that and there was a picture of sam raimi's spider-man yeah. on the wall in the trailer Both those two things just make me have no idea what that movie is going to be and i can't wait to see yeah. how much of it like but yeah i think if i to
3: pick just one film i'd probably pick the suicide squad because it looks like a lot of fun it's probably going to be closer to birds of prey than it will be to suicide squad but with like a lot of Guardians energy thrown in because obviously um, James Gunn's directing and because they've got such a huge roster, there's going to be a high kill count, which, you know, in a film called The Suicide Squad is to be expected.
2: Yeah.
0: So thank you all for this um, interesting discussion. 2020 has been a long year. It's been a lot of uh, difficult challenges that we've had to overcome. There are circumstances in the world which we couldn't fathom a year ago and the fact that yes in this tragedy uh, lots of people uh, have been suffering the fact that so many people have managed to find joy and to really uh, expand their passion when they have a lot of time to explore their interests is is very positive so we've we've got a lot of stuff planning plan to come up in the
2: future so mike what we plan to do over the next couple of weeks We've uh, we've got this one coming up on a weekly basis. We've also uh, got another podcast in the works. Uh, it will be a community rewatch podcast where we'll um, be watching an episode of the greatest TV show of all time, community, uh, on a weekly basis, just reviewing each one. Uh, we've also got some other
3: podcasts in the works. Uh, yeah, we've also got a uh, modern Doctor Who rewatch beginning in 2005 with Christopher Eccleston's era, uh, and again on a weekly basis we'll be watching the actual greatest TV show of all time, <laughs> Doctor Who. Um, um,
0: <laughs> in in build-up to the new MCU shows as well, WandaVision should be coming out very soon in January. Uh, we're probably going to go back through the MCU and have a look at the different films and uh, TV shows that have come out over the last decade in
3: anticipation for it. As nice. well as a discussion of uh, future upcoming Projects for the MCU. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. Nice. And then all that's left for me to say is goodbye from Mike. Goodbye. Goodbye from Reese. Goodbye. Goodbye from Sammy. Bye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Ta-da. Bye.
2: Theme tune, spike, spike I, I, actually,
3: I waved when I said bye, and I don't know why because no one was watching. Yeah, we, we
1: can't even see.
3: <laughs> Not even we're wit- watching. <laughs>